I'm Romy Newman, the co-founder and president of Fairy God Boss, and this is Fairy God Boss Radio. Today on Fairy God Boss Radio, I'm talking with Melody Lee, Global Director of Book by Cadillac at Cadillac. Melody, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Romy. It's a pleasure. Could you tell us a little bit about what you do? What is Book by Cadillac? So think of Book by Cadillac as the Netflix of luxury cars. Uh, You pay a flat monthly fee, and it includes insurance, registration, maintenance, taxes, and you don't have to commit beyond a month. So really, it's a program intended to give you the car of your needs that fits your lifestyle at any point. You can switch between six different Cadillacs. The cars are delivered to you and picked up from you whenever you want to exchange it for another one. So if you need an Escalade for a surf trip and then to switch it out for a two-door coupe just for fun, you can do that. So really, this program is designed to give the next generation of vehicle owners uh, a really fun experience and the ability to just get into a car and drive. That sounds so cool. Can you tell me a little bit about your career and how did you come to this very uh, cool position? Yeah, so I took over Book by Cadillac as a discrete business unit last year. But prior to that, for five years, uh, I was the brand marketing director for Cadillac overall. And towards the end of my tenure, I really started to think about ways that we could introduce experience-led innovation to the brand. And that's how Book was born. Um, We started thinking about how to reach customers that just have very different preferences, very different needs, and different propensities uh, for access over ownership. Um, And Book by Cadillac was the result of that, and we were the first automotive brand to launch vehicle subscription. That's very interesting. And and I think one of the things that actually I'd like to pick up on there, um, a lot of our our community says, you know, they have a hard time finding or getting promoted into interesting assignments. And here you've gotten, you've gotten promoted twice into two really extraordinary roles, both, uh, you know, in a big role on a big, on one of America's most prominent brands. And then this new role, how did, how do you, how have you positioned yourself to get these new assignments? Well, in the case of moving to Cadillac, I had someone who really championed me. Um, And this was someone that I'd worked with in my prior career on the the, uh, communications consulting side. Um, And this person, you know, became much more than just a mentor to me. He became my advocate, my champion, the person who really pushed me into positions that I wasn't even sure I was ready for. And when he asked me to come and be the marketing director for Cadillac, I wasn't even sure I was ready for it, but he thought that I was. Um, and so in that case, I think the, the you know, after you develop a relationship with a mentor and it becomes deeper and it becomes one where they really um, become the people who open doors for you, um, that's really significant and meaningful. Um, and, you know, I mean, as just, a, I guess, a word of advice for your listeners, Uh, I always felt that mentorship by a man was really important. I think that's not to say that mentorship by other women is not also just as critical. But in the business that I was in, I felt that I needed someone who was male um, at that time. And, uh, you know, I think it's just as valuable for women to seek out mentors who are male uh, as it is for females. And I think a lot of women naturally look for other women. 
Um, but I just wouldn't ever rule out also looking to successful uh, men who can teach you a lot. And so that's really how I took the first job. And in the, set, in the case of Book by Cadillac, I created that job for myself. I created not just the category of vehicle subscription and the idea to go do it. I made the case, I made the rounds, I brought people in, I brought them along, and that's how I created a, a second position for myself. That's really cool. Uh, did you did you feel like it was received automatically or did you have to fight an uphill battle to get it, the concept kind of funded and off the ground? It was definitely a bit like pushing water up, up a mountain. Um, the, you know, subscription is such a new space and when you're the first mover, you have a lot to prove internally just to get the, you know, the, your, your normal internal inertia um, to, to change. So uh, in my case, it took a few months of lobbying and finding the right people. And in the end, I decided to go straight to the top. So um, Mary Barra, the chairman and CEO of General Motors, was actually the one who championed book and said, we should at least go and try this. Um, and, and get the data for it and, and uh, you know, understand whether or not this is a viable business. And so in the end, it, it really came down to, to her at the very top saying, let's go and do this. That's awesome. And I have to confess, I am, I am Mary Barra's biggest fan. <laughs> <laughs> She's like my idol. I'm going to ask you in a little bit if there's anybody you would want to have dinner with, and she's mine. Uh, I think she's, just, <laughs> she's done such extraordinary things. I think for General Motors as a company, but also to show that, you know, women can lead, lead a major organization through some really huge challenges and come out on top. So, and she pulls other people along with her as in that's your right. story. So yeah. I think that's I'll, really I'll, incredible. I'll fight you for that number one fan spot. Okay. I love it. <laughs> um, so do you think your career tra trajectory would have been different if you were a man? And if so, how? I mean, that is, you know, for me, that's so hard to know. And I couldn't say definitively, um, you know, I think that there are so many things to celebrate about being a professional woman. Um, and I think there's so many things, so many strengths that we have um, that actually differentiate and give us an advantage. Um, and so I think, you know, automotive is definitely one of the industries that is singled out as being a quote unquote man's world. But I've always had a, a, a fairly positive experience at GM. Um, I don't know if that's universal for the industry, um, but I, I have found that this is the kind of company that values relationships and relationship building, collaboration, bringing people together. Um, and I, I think those are strengths that that play to what, what women possess. Um, and so, I mean, I think, of course, sometimes it would be easier just to, you know, fit in. Um, I know that that in terms of female leadership at GM overall, there's much more work that we can do. I know that's something that Mary is very focused on as well. Um, and so I think when you are part of the majority, certain things are easier. And maybe some parts of my career path would have been easier. But I guess part of my personality is also that I like a little bit of a fight. Um, so uh, I enjoy the uphill battle. Uh, I enjoy being able to use my determination to get something done. So again, I'm not, I'm not sure I gave you the best answer, but it's hard for me to exactly answer that question. Yes. Well, I, I'm always kind of fascinated by, you know, there's this adage that men get promoted based on potential while women get promoted based on performance. And I think that your story of how you, you came to run book um, is is indicative of, of how women need to operate knowing that sort of discrepancy because instead of waiting to get picked to get promoted, you made your next step. 
So I think there's a lot to be taken away from that experience. That's a very good point. Yep, absolutely. You're right. And the performance uh, aspect of it for me was actually creating a product. Right. That's right. You, you set your own standards, which is amazing. Um, so you, you obviously had a great support from Mary Barra. Can you tell us more broadly about interactions you're having with women, you've had with women? I, I bet in your PR career there were a lot of women. Have they been positive, negative? What, what do you think, how do you think women serve each other well in the workplace and, and do, where could they serve each other better? Well, I think, you know, when you're in a company where there is still so much work to do in terms of, of ensuring that um, women are at parity, I think that sometimes that creates an environment of competitiveness between women um, because there are so few spots. And I think that that's exactly the opposite of what we should be doing. I think we should be pulling women up. I think we should be hiring greater than ourselves as leaders, including looking for women um, who are greater and have that potential to be greater than, than ourselves. Um, I think we've got to get away from this idea um, that I see sometimes in women, which is, well, I made it in a man's world, so I don't need to help you because no one helped me. I think we've got to reverse that paradigm entirely and say that women still need all the help in the world that they can get until we're at 50-50 at least. I agree. So how do you put that, that thinking into, into practice every day? Well, it's kind of funny, you know, uh, on the book team, um, we are 80% women. Um, and I'll just be honest with you, you know, I, I definitely got some questions from, from people around me saying, was that intentional? Did you really only hire women? And I said, no, absolutely not. In every single case, in every single position, the best person, the most qualified person was hired, and that person just so happened to be a woman. So, um, you know, I think book is an example of where I was looking for uh, a culture of collaboration and uh, addressing conflict, of working through that conflict, of making decisions together and then locking arms after that decision has been made. Um, and I don't know if that was, um, you know, related to gender or not, but somehow I ended up with 80% women on my team. Um, and I think it's really important to, to work cross-functionally as well to lift up women um, in other parts of the organization where they may be a little bit more marginalized. So I don't think it just starts with my team. I've got to work across Cadillac to make sure that that's something that's happening. Absolutely. So um, when we talk to women, it shows that the number one most important factor to them in, in a job is having a good manager. Uh, so, Teddy, what do you define as a good manager, and, and how, what should women be looking for to determine what really makes a good manager? So, the, the same person who brought me to Cadillac, who probably is the most seminal mentor I've ever had, used to say that leadership was pretty simple. Um, and that is to make those around me successful. And he said, that doesn't, it doesn't matter if these are people who work um, on your team, who are your peers, or who work above you as your boss. You need to make all of them successful. Don't worry about yourself. Don't worry about your ambitions. Your only goal is to make them successful. And I think that as a leader, I've really tried to adhere to that principle first and foremost. So as I tell every single person who's ever 
worked for me, every person that I've ever hired. I'm not here because I know more than you do. In fact, I hired you because I think you're smarter than me. I think you know more than I do. Um, and I am here to lift you up. I'm here to give you a platform, to give you the exposure you need, to let your ideas come to light and to block and tackle when there are obstacles in your way. Beyond that, I hire, I, uh, you know, I feel that all of the hardest work comes in hiring the right people and then letting them do their jobs. I love it. And I think that that is so true, but it requires a great deal of humility to be able to adhere to that. Uh, so it sounds like you would make a great manager. <laughs> well, I don't know, but I mean, you know, I think it was David Ogilvy who said that if you didn't hire better than yourself every single time, your your company or your organization would just implode on itself. Um, so if you're if you're really um, you know interested in the longevity of the growth of your organization or your institution, you've got to hire greater. That that's for sure. And I think it also gives um, kind of a good takeaway for our listeners who might be looking for a job to ask a manager, what are you looking for in me? You try to get that read. Is this someone who's going who's hiring you? to give you wings or is this someone who's hiring you to micromanage you? And that's like a good starting point. Yeah, um, definitely. So uh, let's talk about a topic that comes up constantly in our community, which is work-life balance. Um, it has just gotten so hard in the world with digital uh, capabilities that you know our, our work goes on till eight and nine and 10 p.m. and into the weekend. How, how do you define boundaries both as a, as a leader in your corporation and then also as an employee yourself? So I think, you know, in, in, in my case, I have a husband and two young children. I have two little boys who are six and four. So I very much have a robust home life as well as a career. Um, and some days I am a really good employee. And some days I'm a really bad employee and some days I'm a really good mother and some days I'm a really bad mother. So I think one of the first things I, I say to people in, who struggle with this sort of thing is don't be so hard on yourself. You're going to not be good at one thing or the other on some days and you've just got to let that go. Um, that's my kind of definition of balance. And then, you know, someone once told me to make a physical ritual of separating your work life and your home life. And I know that sounds really weird, but to do something that almost sheds your work as you go home. So say like a, a long hug with your two kids or something like that, um, or a, you know, a changing of your clothes, some sort of like real tangible physical ritual that indicates this is the end of work and this is the beginning of uh, the beginning of home. And I thought that was some of the best advice I've ever gotten. And it and you should be doing it in the morning too, as what the advice was. You know, as you move from home to work, um, and it's it's based on this sort of notion of how Native Americans would go hunting, and then when they were done, they would come back and they would cleanse themselves as they went as they went back to their home. So, I found that idea of a physical ritual to sort of make that demarcation really, really helpful because I think otherwise the two things bleed so much um, that it's not healthy for either your work or your home. That's lovely advice. I, I had not heard that. And I think it's, it's really a smart concept. Um, and I agree with you that we are all too hard on ourselves. So I think it's 
wonderful for you to acknowledge that we, we have to give a little in all directions. Um, Absolutely. Tell us to, if, if you can, if you are not just crazy type A like me and you can handle it, tell us about a mistake you've made and, and what did you learn from it? Oh gosh. I mean, I think that's like an ongoing thing, right? Um, uh, and I am very type A as well. I'm also, uh, if you ask my parents from, from birth, I have also always needed to win an argument. I am. And I think that's one of the sort of ongoing, um, things that I'm working on in, in my, my life. Um, and so I think some of my bigger mistakes have been insisting that the way that I see things is the right way to do things. Um, and I mean, I work in marketing. I'm not an emergency room physician, right? This is not, this is not life or death. That is it well is not said. That black and white. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So um, I've had to sort of grow in that area as I, I, as I've gotten older. And I think, I think also, you know, sometimes when things are so black and white um, and you need to be absolutely right um, in every single situation that can result in, in a really destructive, uh, a, you know, way of, of managing your relationships around you. Um, so I would say that although that's not just one, you know, mistake that I can pinpoint, I think it's one that, um, that I have to be very mindful of that the ends do not, or I'm sorry, the means do not always justify the ends. That's right. That's right. Um, that said, having to win art an argument is a great, um, <laughs> you know, is a great trait, great trait in an employee, and probably a great trait in your business uh, life. It makes you, I'm sure, very persuasive. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Uh, so, so our audience, we always say that our audience is a group of talented, ambitious women. What's one piece of career advice you'd like to leave them with? Just don't worry so much about yourself. Oh, that's I mean, nice. That is. Honestly, like worry about the people around you. That's really all it takes because making others successful will make you successful um, in the end. Um, and I think a lot of a lot of women, not just women, I guess, I guess men and women do this, but I think women maybe a little bit more fixate on their, you know, three-year plan or their five-year plan or their 10-year plan. I mean, and I think there there is something to be said for setting goals and trying to um, nail them as you go. But I think this, everything in life is about your relationships and about the people around you. Um, and if you're, if you're increasing joy for them and decreasing work for them, and they're, you're making them more successful as you go, you don't have to worry about your own success. I love that. Um, what a great quote. It's making your own success is making success in others. I love it. Um, all right, before we let you go, we have to ask you five fast, fun questions. So oh, the boy. First, okay. The first is, who, would, who, alive or dead, would you want to have dinner with while I'm having dinner with Mary Barra? <laughs> uh, Coco Chanel. Oh, fabulous. Um, what, what, do you have a book recommendation for our audience? Oh, a book recommendation. You know what I'm reading right now that I really love? It's um, Dear Madam President. That's great. That does sound like a great book. Um, do you have a favorite way to exercise either your body or your mind? Uh, I love my Peloton bike for physical exercise. Um, and I really like listening to music for yeah. my mind. What's your karaoke song? Dancing Queen by ABBA. I'm oh. really happy they're reuniting. I did, hadn't heard that. That is exciting news. <laughs> <laughs> um, and last of all, what's your favorite movie? 
Oh, it's a tie between Breakfast at Tiffany's and Top Gun. Oh, fantastic. Those are two great ones. I keep wondering and very, when my kids, very different. <laughs> I keep wondering when my kids will be old enough to watch Top Gun. I know, me too. <laughs> Melody, thank you very much for making time for us today. This is you've given us great advice and takeaways for the audience. And we're excited. We're all gonna go check out Book by Cadillac. Thank you so much, Romy, and uh, it was a pleasure. Thanks for joining us today on Fairy Godboss Radio. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and visit us at fairygodboss.com. See you next time.